Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and I'm here with nobody. It's just me, guys, but it's exciting because I'm in Chicago again. I found a bunch of new breweries and had some good 90s moments and was reminded by a friend of mine that lives in Chicago of some great 90s bands that you probably didn't even know existed. And if you did know existed, you definitely didn't know more than one song by them. And if you did know more than one song by them, then damn it, you're just as cool as I am. So we should just get beer together sometime. Hi. So excited to be here. This is episode 23, as I said, only three episodes away from our six-month mark. That should be a benchmark, right? Episode 26. Doesn't sound as good. Maybe we'll celebrate episode 25. Who knows how this works? But thank you for joining me, and as always, you can follow us at Beers and 90s on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me, justin at justinlammusic.com. Or check out more or nothing about the podcast at justinlammusic.com slash podcast. Got a good fun-filled show for you today. Stopped in at a brewery that I'm going to talk about shortly and tried all of their beers. It's the first brewery I've been to that offers you a flight of everything they have, which hands down is the best idea ever. And I got a lot to go over, including two huge bands that are hilarious super talented and awesome so let's jump right into it with the beer right after these messages from this awesome song This week in Chicago, I was staying out by the airport, or I guess currently am staying out by the airport, and there's not a lot of stuff to do at the airport area, uh, Rosemont, Illinois, if you will, unless you're here for maybe a Comic-Con or something like that. I did meet Nev Campbell, Screams Nev Campbell, Party of Fives Nev Campbell, Wild Things Nev Campbell, Three to Tangos Nev Campbell. She was in a lot of great movies because she is a beautiful and perfect human being. All right? You didn't hear from me. But... Uh, Rosemont does a lot of conventions and stuff like that. And there's a casino out here, but there's not a lot of like typical Chicago stuff to do. And I was concerned that being in this area and not really wanting to pay the $50 Uber to go downtown, uh, I might not find something, but lo and behold, I did find a brewery that just opened last year. So it's only been around for about nine months now and, uh, they're doing damn good for themselves. They got some distribution going on. And some really great beers. Some average beers, but some really great beers too. So let's jump in and introduce you to Short Fuse Brewing Company. Hey guys, Short Fuse Brewing Company. How you doing? That's not true. I couldn't get any of them to come on the show today because when I stopped by there, the two owners and the brewmaster were all going through some new equipment they were getting. And I'm sure they're super friendly and would like to stop by, but... uh. Yeah, you guys didn't, so what's up with that? Anyway, I did get a flight there called a full stick, as in a full stick of dynamite. They also have uh, half flights for half sticks, um, because they are short fuse. Everything's explosion-themed. I took a couple pictures of the brewery. 
they did have two things. Well, I guess one thing <laughs> uh, that I think every brewery should have, and I would personally like to have in the bar in my basement. And that is a urinal that is made out of a keg. Just cut away part of the keg, and there you go. I did post that on Instagram at Beers and 90s if you want to check it out, because that should exist in every brewery ever. It's not like you don't have the kegs. Just find one of your heavily bearded steelworking friends that works there and have them cut it open and make it happen. But I did get to try all their beers, and they were numbered 1 through 14. Number 8 and number 14 they were out of, so I guess I got to try 12 of their 14 beers. But I did want to go through some of the comments I had of them and their finishes and their tastes and their flavors and all that jazz, which I think I'll do in like a Dave Letterman Top 10 style. And also, while I was there, how appropriate for this show... Armageddon and The Hunt for Red October were playing on two separate televisions. Why? I don't know. I think it was normal channels. They just happened to be playing some 90s movies that uh, I'll probably never do a show on. I definitely won't do a show on The Hunt for Red October. I may do a show on Armageddon if the right woman tells me to because I feel like women usually like that movie. Women and my coworker Norm. Those are the only people that like that movie. I'm not really a fan. Like Bruce Willis. Ben Affleck's all right, I guess, if, you know, he's not being douchey. Liv Tyler's beautiful. Steve Buscemi, 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 doesn't matter. Awesome. There's a lot of great actors in that. But, uh, I just, I don't care, I guess, is the problem. Anyway, moving along. I'm getting off base. Short Fuse Brewing. All right, I'm going to jump through all these beers here. I'm going to say numbers 1 through 13, and I'm going to skip 8. Just being consistent with the list that they provided me, which I also have a picture of that I posted on Instagram. So check that out. Number one, Sticky Nuts. Oh, just a weird thing to start. <laughs> Number one, Sticky Nuts. It is a stout with coconut. Uh, subtle to non-existent coconut flavor. It's more of an aftertaste. It's got a very malty finish. And a lot of breweries are doing this, putting coconut in stouts. I don't understand why I... It, it never seems to work out well and not like it works out poorly. It just, you don't get the coconut. I feel like you need more sugar to get the coconut flavor. You know, like you don't eat a, a Mounds or an Almond Joy and get that coconut flavor just because the coconut. You get it because there's also a crap ton of sugar in there. Something to think about. Maybe, uh, ooh, yeah, there's a coconut IPA out there somewhere. I think that was probably done right. I'm going to find it. If you guys know what brewery does a coconut IPA, let me know, because I know I've seen that somewhere. Uh, number two is Impending Doom, and that is an Imperial Stout. Uh, it's a great Imperial Stout. It's got a strong alcohol flavor, but it's balanced with some nice, like, chocolate, some cocoa notes in there. Um, but, I mean, your basic Imperial Stout, as far as uh, flavors go, but one I would get over something a little more bland. Number three, Wee Little Kilt. It is a Scotch Wee Heavy. This one was actually pretty disappointing as a, as a Scotch Ale fan. I was hoping to get more of a Scotchy, a Scotchiness out of it. Uh, but it was a, it was like a sweet chalky flavor. And I, I wasn't really a fan of that. I moved past that pretty quickly. Number four, Double Barrel Buckshot. It is a buckwheat ale, so instead of just a wheat ale, it is a buckwheat ale, and it tasted like a hoppy wheat ale. It had a subtle sweetness, um, almost as if you had like a, a barrel-aged wheat ale, which if no one's doing that yet, do that, because I want to taste that too. I bet that's delicious. 
But that's that's what I got out of that. Number five, this is their flagship IPA. It's called IPA Bomb. However, even though it was previously made with, uh, I believe, Centennial hops and I don't know the other hop, it is now made with 100% Galaxy hops from Australia. And this seems to be a trend that's kind of awakening right now across breweries. I've seen a lot of beers that are using Galaxy hops. So I don't know if Australia is just getting in the game or if we figured out a way to grow those here. I don't know what the deal is with that. I'd really like to know more about hops. Let me know when you open a hop farm and I can come visit it. But this is called IPA Bomb or Galaxy Bomb. Um, It is very hop heavy. The Galaxy hops are really delicious and you get them right when you drink it. There's nothing. It's not an aftertaste. It's not a back of your throat thing like it is straightforward slap you in the face hey guys i'm i'm the hops and i'm in your mouth and it's delicious it's very much like that the voice might not be the same but it's very much like that number six lucy juicy um a new england ipa a juicy ipa we're seeing this a lot too with breweries this is another uh trend that's kind of taken over in the ipa world new england ipas are popping up all over the place this is i mean if you're listening in michigan this is taste the exact same as like rochester mills juice bigelow um i think when you brew in a certain style and it's the beginning of a trend they're all going to taste the same because you want to stick to the basics now i will bite my tongue because when we get to number 13 that changes Ooh, what's he talking about you'll have to wait and see so moving on number seven golden shower blonde ale you know like peeing on somebody but uh, it is, it's a really good blonde. It's very light, very drinkable. If you have that friend that doesn't want to get into craft beer or you have a wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or whoever that isn't really a beer drinker, so they don't like going to breweries with you, um, this is a great one for them to get because this is, this is very light, very easy to drink beer um, that could easily replace their typical um, Anheuser-Busch or Miller or whatever other kind of beer they might typically drink when they drink beer. So nice, drinkable. If you want something light, that's the way to go. Number eight. Nope. No one number eight. They were out of it. Sons of bitches. Number nine. Hopperator error. It is a hoppy wheat ale. Um, it almost tastes like an IPA shandy because you get, you get the hops and the wheat ale gives you that citrus and it all, it really does taste like an IPA shandy. Uh, but subtle, like not like a oh snark sweet country lemonade, but no, it's it's very subtle, but it's definitely uh, closer in flavor in my mind to like an IPA shandy than than hoppy wheat. But I guess depending on who you talk to, those are the same thing. Hey, good boo. Number ten, strong Bob. This is an imperial rye. <laughs> I. I had nothing to say about this. If you have nothing good to say, don't say thing at all. It's not, it wasn't bad. I mean, I wouldn't make a show and talk about water either. Water's not bad. It's not like good. It's just water. Moving on. Number 11, Judgment Day. This is unique. I have never had something like this before. This is a mint double IPA. So you don't typically find mint and hops mixed together. And it was like, um, it was like you took a shot of an IPA and then really quickly ate a thin mint. 
you know, minus the chocolate. Um, the, the mint was all aftertaste and it was such a unique taste because hops obviously are very strong, especially if you have a double IPA and it was good. The IPA was really good. And then you just all of a sudden it's like, Oh, what's, uh, what's this at the end here? That's kind of nice. So, I mean, you know, order one of those and you don't have to brush your teeth that night. It's perfect. Number 12, Steinbier. Uh, this is basic German brew, light, easy to drink. That's it. Nothing, nothing special about that one. And number 13. So I mentioned with the Lucy Juicy and all the other New England IPAs that people are doing right now, the Juicy IPAs um, all taste the same. So what they did, these damn geniuses over here at Short Fuse Brewing, is they made a Purple Juice Cannon, which is a double New England IPA with grape purple drink. And it's delicious. It's it's uh it's like someone dumped grape Kool-Aid into a juicy New England IPA. It's really good. It's surprisingly really good. Um it's not grape like oh it's like a fine wine mixed with a beer. No, it's grape like fucking Kool-Aid man jumping through your house. Grape. It's grape like a uh, Fanta grape. It is grape. It's grape like Mambas? Do Mambas make a grape flavor? Not important, but it is grape. It is sugary grape, and it was really good. Uh, I almost felt like I couldn't drink a lot of it because the grape flavor just makes me think there's got to be a lot of sugar in this, but damn, it was delicious. Uh, I do want to try when I get home, since the most accessible New England IPA for me would be, like I mentioned, Rochester Mills Juice Bigelow. I want to get some of that, and I want to get some grape Kool-Aid, and I'm going to test my fucking theory and just do a little little mix in there. <laughs> I bet it'll be delicious. I encourage you to do the same thing. Let me know how it turns out. And if you guys know of other New England IPAs that people are popping out right now um, that are accessible and, like, well-distributed, well-distributed dis- well words, guys. Words are really difficult sometimes. Uh, let me know. Tweet me, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Tag me in a post. Uh, I would love to know what else is out there in the world of New England IPAs since that's a new trend that's kind of catching on and getting bigger. I'd like to find the people that are doing little unique twists on it. Kind of like uh, Oddside Ale is one of my favorite breweries. They always do a twist on something. I don't think they have a normal beer. We talked about that last week, but everything is just a little different. And I think... If they're doing a New England IPA, I intend to find out. And uh, if you know anyone else that is, especially if they're doing something weird like putting grape Kool-Aid in it, uh, let me know because I would love to know more and try more since that's a trend that's catching on and I love me some hops. But Short Fuse Brewing, you you treated me well. And um, I was happy to be there and try those beers and ended up staying and playing a game of trivia run by the staff there. It seemed like it was run by the staff there. I think it was. Usually a trivia host doesn't go behind the bar and serve people beers. So I think it was the staff that ran it. And we won uh, second place. Me and uh, my coworkers and this lady next to me who works at Church Street Brewing, which I will check out um, next time I'm in town. And also I found out through these people that I was uh, I was wrong. Here's a moment of humble humility for you guys. I I was wrong 
and thinking that Chicago wasn't like a big beer town. Because Revolution kind of runs this place. If you are from out of town and going somewhere, like everywhere has a Revolution tap. The same way if you're in Michigan, everywhere has a Bell's tap. But, holy crap, uh, I was given this brewery guide. And there's so many breweries in Chicago. So now I might have to just make a trip to just go to breweries. And just try them out, see what's going on. Do some interviews, meet some people, drink some beers. A lot of stuff happening. So if you are in Chicago, uh, I love Revolution. We went there in December. But branch out. If that's all you can find, you're not looking hard enough because I learned the hard way. There are way more breweries than I ever imagined there would be in such a small area. So check it out. Reach out. And if you're a brewery listening to this, reach out to me. I'd love to know more about you. Have you on the show, do your interview, it'd be a good time. There are two bands I want to talk about today, and those bands are Brand Van 3000 and Bloodhound Gang. You may have heard of at least one of these, Bloodhound Gang, because of their song The Bad Touch, or Brand Van 3000 because of their song Drinking in L.A. Or you may not have heard of either one of these bands, even though you know both of those songs. The first Brand Van 3000 is the first one I want to talk about. The first, the story with this story is the story is happening right now. That's some purred happily for you. But I want to talk about Brand Van 3000 because they are a phenomenal group of super talented people that put together some of the weirdest shit you'll ever hear that also ends up being some of the best shit you'll ever hear. Uh, highly, highly underrated in my opinion. I have all their albums, even though I only typically listen to the first two. Um, all four of them have a lot behind them, a lot of work behind them, a lot of talent behind them. Um, they are from Canada. So some people don't know some of the more famous names, uh, that they have worked with and that they got started with like Jean Leloup and all their weird French tracks that you won't ever hear in America. And I can't even, I can't even hunt down the French tracks. Some of their songs on their debut album, Glee, um, were entirely in French and I can't even find those versions because when they finally did a U.S. release, uh, they got rid of those added. Well, they didn't get rid of them, but they added English verses to them. And then they added a few more tracks as well. So if someone can hunt those down, like the original recording of Forest, that'd be cool. But here's the song you definitely know by Brand Van 3000. This is called Drinking in L.A. And I'm going to play uh, those first few notes as well because the beginning is the part most people recognize. Hi, my name is Stereo Mike.
So that was Drinking in L.A. by Brand Van 3000. That is off their debut album, Glee. Uh, Brand Van 3000 was started in, I believe, 94. And uh, James DeSalvio is the main guy behind Brand Van 3000, together with his friend E.P. Bergen. Um, now, they got together to create Brand Van 3000 through miscellaneous adventures of trying to spend a royalty check where James DeSalvio helped out on a different song for a friend of his, Jean Leloup, as I mentioned earlier, who's famous in Canada, though most people in the States probably don't know who that is. And uh, they ended up spending that royalty check on some recording equipment, and he became a good DJ, and they ended up making an album, and and they even jokingly entered it into... A contest, uh, the Canadian Music Week contest. They had three unfinished versions of songs: uh, "Drinking in L.A.", which you've heard, "Couch Surfer," which you'll hear in a moment, and "Everywhere." Uh, they put all those in a music contest as a joke, and they won first place, but then got disqualified because there was no real band to perform the showcase. Because it's it's all DJs, and touring with this band has got to be damn near impossible, especially if they want to recreate the sound that they made on the albums. I've never had the pleasure of seeing them live, especially being a Canadian band. They didn't do a lot of U.S. touring during a time when I could go see them, um, especially later in their career when they primarily stuck to Canada. Um, even living in Detroit, I don't head up to you know, Montreal to catch a concert ever. So James DeSalvio and his friend E.P. Bergen, 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 doesn't matter, Candace Bergen, no. Uh, they got together, they made this album, Glee, which is, in my opinion, uh, one of, it's in my top ten albums of all time. This is such a great, unique, unheard of, and in my opinion, timeless album. Like, you can listen to this now, and there's not, there's not like a weird 90s twist on it. It's just, it's just unique music. It's not like anything else you've heard. It's, it's really good. I mean, you can hear it in some of the other tracks that they do. Actually, let's let's listen to Couch Surfer real quick. By sampling the wealth of music and sound effects available on Audio Fidelity stereo discs, you can take a trip around the world without leaving your easy chair. Together with everything and nothing between us, you are the whole soul goal, me, you, universal, universal union, blending in matter, journey in harmony, journey in harmony, the ecstasy's voyage through swaying, interplaying, perennial gardenia gardens, flowing into fuchsia Leaping into warm purple pink gaseous fumes, purple pools, moving in, undulating, emanating jewels into a timeless, spaceless, placeless place. Such a pretty face. I'm surfing. I'm surfing. Move to your house. 
I'm a couch surfer. Now move into your house. I'm a couch surfer. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't mean to be. Somebody took my keys. I'm a couch surfer. So Couch Surfer was the first track that I heard by them outside of drinking in L.A. A friend of mine, Ian, said, oh, you got to listen to this band. He said, you know this song, right? And he played Drinking in L.A. I was like, yeah, and I listen, I listen to the radio. I know this song. And then he played Couch Surfer, and it was the funniest song I've ever heard. Because if you listen to the lyrics, it's fantastic. It's just, it's very original and tongue-in-cheek, but also just good like you could kind of groove with it. I'm kind of bopping my head and moving right now. You can't see me, but that's what I'm doing. And then they had this beautiful, beautiful female vocalist, um, Sarah Johnston. And oh, she is on most female tracks on there. They're so good. Uh, they did a little cover, listen to like a quick clip of Come On, Feel The Noise. the song Everywhere, uh, which was also featured in Practical Magic with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. That song uh, goes a little something like this. It's wonderful. Those were all on the album Glee, which was released internationally in 1998. Um, that's when they changed some of the French songs they had and added also three other songs, including Rain, Shine, Carry On, and Old School. Old School is amazing. And I do a little impression that I'll do for you right now because I know you're dying to hear it. Uh, I'll, I'll do my impression first, yeah. And then I will play you part of the song. And you can decide how my impression was after that. Cartesian quotient of a calibration got us qualified for this deviation. So, let's see what you think of that. Old school, new school, pop your head to the mid school. Brand Van 3000, uh, freaking geniuses, man. 
And Glee was the only album they came out with in the 90s. They did come out with an album called Discosis in 2000 or 2001, which is the other album that I know start to finish every single word, every beat, every melody. I love, love, love this band. And it's one of those bands that was almost uh, perfected through special effects and computers, but the talent needed to use those things. So I don't think I would ever actually want to see them live because I don't think you can recreate it the same way that it is on the album. However, they're like pseudo acoustic songs with Sarah Johnson singing. I would go see that shit in a heartbeat. Brand Van 3000. Check them out. They are on iTunes and I'm sure you can find CDs and crap on eBay or Amazon or whatever. Just go nuts, man. Brand Van 3000 is amazing. And... If you want to know more, I don't know, check out Wikipedia. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sure they have a website. Let's move on, though. other band that I wanted to talk about the bands that you don't know or don't remember or didn't know had more than one song from the 90s is Bloodhound Gang uh, the Bloodhound Gang is hilarious and if you're a hip hop fan and you don't know Bloodhound Gang you should be ashamed of yourselves um, some of the best lyrics you will ever find some of the best analogies, metaphors, similes just absolutely amazing um i'm not gonna go through a bunch of quotes but i will play you some songs so you do know bloodhound gang for one song that came out uh just around the turn of the century i believe um let's see when did when did hooray for boobies come out yeah that's the name of an album 1999 so that had the single the bad touch and everybody knew that song because it's fucking hilarious here you go. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Do it again now. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. But Bloodhound Gang actually began in 1988 as a small alternative band called Bang Chamber 8. Yes, Bang Chamber 8. Uh, and that's before they actually like changed their names. Um, James Franks, I believe, was his name, who is now Jimmy Pop, and Michael, Michael something, Michael Bow, um, Daddy Longlegs, I believe, is his name. But that was uh, the original Bloodhound Gang, and they were just hilarious um, and super cocky. They are like they're they're pieces of shit. I don't know if they are in real pe in, like in real life, but I've seen them live. I've seen them in interviews, and if they are actually like them, like how they put themselves off to be, they're definitely pieces of shit. But that's fine because they're super talented and their music and everything is fantastic. Uh, obviously, heavily influenced by the Beastie Boys, they have kind of like a punk rock, hip hop 
uh, I don't know, rap core. Is that a thing? Um, about them, but like full band distorted guitars, but then hip hop style rapping. And it's really fantastic. They even to just, just say how cocky they were. They played at CBGB's regularly. They had like a thing every month at CBGB's, which if you don't know CBGB's, it's like one of the most famous music clubs in uh, New York city before it got closed down. And when asked about their tenure, Jimmy Pop, the lead guy of the group, was quoted as saying, I've seen cavemen with better clubs. It's just a good metaphor. <laughs> and also, I don't know if there's been anybody that talked about CBG has been like, fuck that place. Because <laughs> it's usually like a great honor to have been part of it. But moving on, uh, they put out their first album, Use Your Fingers, in 1995. Everything they do is super dirty, so censor yourself as necessary. But that had a hilarious song that was, I believe, entirely a cappella. Way before this pitch perfect a cappella group, bitches, um, called You're Pretty When I'm Drunk. Now it's midnight, and I'm completely boofy blitz. A six of Schlitz and the Juber Man of Shepherds with my beer tinted glasses. I'm ready to bitty battle. I'm hungry like the wolf, but I'll end up tending cattle. Cause you're pretty when I'm drunk. 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 And I'm pretty fucking drunk. Yeah, on the notes of euphemisms and metaphors, that song is up up there at the top. Listen, listen to that song. Do yourself a favor and and go online and find it if you don't want to pay the like ninety nine cents and buy it. It's really really funny uh, and super offensive depending on how you look at stuff. Uh, but ninety six, they came out with their album One Fierce Beer Coaster. Now this one is probably my favorite album by them. And it did have a single that a lot of people know, Fire, Water, Burn, their leading single off One Fierce Beer Coaster, uh, which got them essentially like the public eye. That's Well, here, let's listen to it real quick. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn, burn, motherfucker, burn. Hello, my name is Jimmy and I'm a dumb white guy I'm not old or new but middle school fifth grade like junior high I don't know mofo if y'all peeps be bugging giving props to my hoe cause she fly but I can take the heat cause I'm the other white meat known as Kid Funky Fried yeah I'm hung like planet Pluto hard to see with a name and you can pick apart like the, you just look just look at all the lyrics for their songs even if you don't care about like hip hop or music in general look up the writing of this group it's absolutely phenomenal even simple stuff uh where he's 
introducing himself in a song, Jimmy Pop, and he says he's not black like Barry White, but he's white like Frank Black is. It's just perfect. A <laughs> uh, little stupid stuff like that. The 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 metaphors that they throw together are absolutely amazing, and then they have zero qualms with uh, offending anybody. Years before Eminem would offend everybody. So they really paved the way for a lot of, I mean, for lack of a better way to describe this, they paved the way for a lot of white rappers and hopefully not in a bad way because thankfully I, I think outside of Eminem, no one else has really made it because he can do metaphors really well. Uh, and I think part of hip hop is being able to spit hot fire and also make just really great analogies and metaphors that are not only hilarious but just super creative and talented and being able to put those to music and and say them with enunciation and speed which i clearly am struggling with because i've been having a few ipas as we've been doing this show but it's absolutely amazing here's another great track off uh, one fierce beer coaster that you should know about So the tracks alone will tell you something about this band, but uh, from One Fierce Beer Coaster, I wish I was queer so I could get chicks. Um, <laughs> Asleep at the Wheel. Get up, you're asleep at the wheel. That's a great song. Kiss Me Where It Smells Funny. Amazing. Uh, they're just a great band. They're, like I said, obviously super offensive, but really, really funny. And they're next album hooray for boobies that had their bad touch song on there also had a, a number of amazing songs but the cd itself was a boob and it said stick tongue here and if you stuck your tongue through the hole in the center it looked like your tongue was the nipple of the boob it, you don't have to be adults people um there was a great song on, on that album well, there's a lot of great songs on that album, but the one I wanted to talk about was, I'm not going to say anything more than the title. I might play you a little bit, but the title of the song is, A Lap Dance is So Much Better When the Stripper is Crying. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Here, listen to it. It's good. I was lonelier than Kunta Kinte at a Merle Haggard concert that night. I strolled on into Uncle Limpy's home palace looking for love. It had been a while. In fact, 365 had come and went since that midnight run hauling hog to shaky town on I-10. I had picked up this hitchhiker that was sweating gowns through a pair of Daisy Duke cutoffs and one of those fruit the loom tank tops. Well, that night I lost myself to ruby red lips, milky white skin, and baby blue eyes. The name was Russell. It's a lap dance is so much 
something today we learned that chicago has a shit ton of breweries that i need to check out and you need to check out as well and short fuse is one of the youngest and also delicious we also learned that brand van 3000 and bloodhound gang while you may only know one song by them turns out they're fucking awesome and you should know way more songs by them we also learned that computers will one day take over the world I deleted that segment, but we learned it anyway, because the computer heard me say it. Like I said, I've been drinking IPAs this whole time, so I'm not really held liable for the things that I say. So thank you for listening. Episode 23, I'm going to wrap it up just like you do when you put a condom on. I don't want to go that direction. I don't want to edit this out, though, either. It's just more work for me, people. Thank you for listening. Always keep listening. Always share your input and feedback and tell your friends about the show. And if you're a brewery, let me know because we can uh, hook up and make a baby together. And that baby will be a podcast episode. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at beersand90s. Or email me directly, justin at justinlammusic.com. Or go to justinlammusic.com slash podcast for not much information other than what I'm telling you on here. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-L-A-M-B-M-U-S-I-C. I hope to talk to you guys in person whenever I see you, because that's what people do when they see each other. Otherwise, I hope you keep listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Drink often. Not often enough to get you in trouble. Have a good night. Day. When are you listening to this? I don't know. Okay, bye. Everywhere I see your faces, everywhere you sing your smile, and every time you're not around, doesn't matter because you're everywhere to me. for you